0: Welcome to DITD, Down in the Den. I'm your boy Mars, and welcome back. Sorry for the hiatus, guys. I had a big Valentine's Day weekend with the wife, and I know you're used to two, sometimes three episodes per week, but just had to take a small hiatus, but I'm back. I'm recharged, fully energized, and I'm ready to give you guys the stuff, give you guys everything that you need. So uh, before we begin, I want to give a big rest in peace to Janet Dubois. For my younger listeners, you probably have no idea who that is. But for my 80s and 90s babies, you will know her as Walona from Good Times. Even though I didn't grow up when Good Times was originally on the air, of course, I grew up on the reruns and one of my favorite shows of all time. So just a little respect and and give a uh, rest in peace to Miss Dubois and her family and friends and loved ones. Uh, I wanted to start off our episode by uh, give, paying my respects. So uh, since our last episode, as soon as I dropped last week's episode, uh, it seems like we got a bunch of new news and I knew I was going to be gone to uh, for Valentine's Day and I wouldn't have an opportunity to get that out, but I did want to go over some of the things uh, that happened Matt Reeves has given us our first look as Robert Pattinson as the new Batman. And it was a brief glimpse. It was in all red shade, so You really couldn't see all of the details of the new Bat costume. But from what I can see, it with the armored look, looked very similar to Arkham Knight, uh, the video game. And I think that's where he got the inspiration. Uh, There were some neat things about uh, the... Costume that I noticed number one was the Batman of Sydney uh in the chest. It wasn't your Michael Keaton bright yellow Batman of Sydney or the more stylized Batman of Sydney. It looks like it had more function to it uh There are rumors that the actual Sydneyney is made up from pieces of the gun uh, that Joe Chill had that killed his parents. I could certainly see it there. To me, it looks more like a weapon. It looks like something that he can pull from his chest. Uh, Maybe a staff or a batarang or something that he could pull from his chest and use. But I'm not sure if that's going to be the final evolution of the costume or not. Overall, there were some things I liked, some things I didn't like. Now, Matt Reeves had went on earlier, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, maybe even a month ago. And when he was talking about the costume, he said this would be a costume that's more organic, something that uh, Rob Patterson's Bruce Wayne designed himself. He's not going to have Lucius Fox giving him military grade gear that wasn't used or have Alfred designing the costume or anything. It's going to be something that was designed and created completely by his version of Bruce Wayne. So I could see the armor it looks, uh, almost homemade, but still definitely Batman, definitely recognizable as a bat suit. Um, I really wish they would go for the more Kevlar cloth armor. I think I still think the best looking bat suit was Ben Affleck's uh, bat suit. I still think he's also the best Batman for me as far as just look is concerned. Christian Bale definitely uh, did a great job as well as Michael Keaton, of course. Um, Val Kilmer was not too memorable, and George Clooney was just just god awful. Uh, but Uh, I have good hopes for it. Some of the things I've seen so far, I'm going to withhold judgment until I see more. Um, I know they're definitely going for the more younger. I believe the rumor is this is going to be Batman in the second year as Batman early on, and by hiring these young actors, if they decided to make a trilogy over the next 10 years, they could certainly age with the part, but I'll withhold judgment overall so far from what I've seen the costume, and I've seen different mock-up mock-ups It looks better when it doesn't have the red font on it, of course, overall, I give the costume a, a 7 out of 10, I still prefer Ben Affleck's costume uh, from Batman vs. Superman, but um, we'll see. I, I just want one day for someone instead of giving us this black armored look, this all black look that was really originated in 1989 with the all black. I want I want the gray. I want the gray and with purple shades and, and a more cloth look, just like in the comic book. But from what I can see in the costume, it doesn't look like Rob Patterson put on a lot of weight so far. Uh, he still looks pretty skinny to me, so I, I know he mentioned he doesn't like working out, and with them shooting so fast, I don't think it's going to be a whole total body transformation, and that's fine. If we, if you have an earlier Batman, I could I could certainly respect him being a more the slimmer look, but I don't know. I'm I'm holding off. Hope Batman is one of my top five favorite superheroes and my favorite DC superhero by far. And uh, I just wanted it to be done right. Uh, even though I loved what um Christian Bell and and um what uh Christopher Nolan did with his Batman trilogy. I want a Batman that exists in the world with Superman, like in the comic book. I want a Batman that exists in the world. ...with Wonder Woman, a uh, Batman that exists in the world with Green Lantern. I want that because, to me, that makes Batman more oppressive. Even though I love the Dark Knight trilogy, especially uh, the Dark Knight itself and Batman Beyonds... ...not the hugest fan of the Dark Knight Rises, but it, it wasn't awful. In a world where there isn't a Superman, in a world where there isn't a Wonder Woman... ...and the an Aquaman, and the Justice League, and all of these more fantastical characters... Batman is too impressive because he's doing things that are almost superhuman. But in a world where you have a Superman, a world where you have a Wonder Woman, a world where you have a Green Lantern, a Martian Manhunter, a Flash, and all these other characters, to me, that what makes Batman so special because he doesn't have any powers. He doesn't have anything but his wit, his skill, his intelligence, and his wealth, which makes him one of the most dangerous men in the world and that's what I want and it hasn't fully been captured yet uh the whole idea of connected universes really didn't exist before Marvel but now that it's out there we saw there were some stumbling blocks but I still think that DC can recover um but with without Ben Affleck as Batman that was introduced I don't know what we're going to do with the DCEU. We're still going forward with Wonder Woman and obviously Harley Quinn just recently uh, dropped, Birds of Prey just recently dropped. Um, So we still have segments of the DCEU that's live and well. We know Wonder Woman 84 is coming out. Uh, We know Aquaman 2 is coming out. Uh, We know these things, but, you know, they're very mum on what's going on with Henry Cavill. We know Flash is still coming out and they're very uh you know for the most part been athletic and fat recently he's come out and say that the real reason that he dropped off is for his sobriety he he dropped out from the role was due to his sobriety so i mean maybe there's a future where he can come back who knows but i'm very curious to see what this new batman is going to be is it going to connect to and are we going to end up with a third joker in like the last 5 years because obviously there's no way that they're going to be able to link up Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, and nor do I feel he has the desire to be in a larger cinematic universe. Uh, we know Jared Leto's Joker is pretty much gone, and we won't be seeing him anymore. It would make sense if we're not going to see Batman. Why are we going to see the Joker? Even though I, I thought it would have been fitting to have him cameo in and, um, and Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. But... Uh, you know, if we're gonna do a Batman, even though the rumored villains, or not rumored, the confirmed villains are gonna be the Riddler, the Penguin, and Catwoman. I don't know if she's gonna be a villain or more of an anti-hero, but we have those three villains. I can't imagine we're gonna see too many other larger villains. We might see a cameo of Harvey Dent, perhaps. But eventually, we know there's going to be a Joker. If this movie is a financial success, which I'm sure it will be, it has Batman on it. And really, the first trailer is probably going to make people anticipate it more. If this movie goes on to make a billion dollars, we know that there's going to be a sequel. We know that there's going to be a trilogy. And even though Batman probably has the greatest rogue gallery of any superhero out there, we know we're going to see another Joker soon enough. So, I don't know. I really wish they would have focused on repairing the DCEU instead of just starting things over, especially with the Batman. But we'll see. We'll we'll see how it goes. And I'm definitely going to be optimistic for um, Rob Patterson's version. I think he can do it. I think he has the acting chops. I feel Matt Reeves is a good director. But I'm not sure I am so stoked for this approach of this more grimy nor air. That's great, but it can also be somewhat boring. And he mentioned that it wasn't touched before. But I, I feel the Dark Knight did a great job of establishing Batman's ability as a detective. So we'll see. Um, I'm definitely going to be optimistic and and. St- wait until I see that first trailer, second trailer, and of course I'm going to go see it in the movies, but this first peak of the costume was enough to wet our whistle. Um, I didn't like the collar part on the uh, cowl. That was kind of weird to me, but it could be potentially for protection. We'll see. I, I believe the costume will evolve as the movie goes on, or at least in sequels. Even if it's just to sell toys, we're not going to see the same Batman costume. They didn't do it in The Dark Knight. I can't foresee we seeing it in the Batman trilogy. Now on the MCU front, Kevin Feige, who has been a huge champion for diversity and representation announced last summer that a future MCU movie would have its first openly gay superhero, and many thought it might be Valkyrie. Um clearly there's enough in there where she could certainly uh, go that route and I still feel especially in love and thunder uh with love being one of the operative word i could certainly see her character being attracted to uh jane foster's uh new thor or mighty thor that could be something but it has been confirmed that the actual first openly gay superhero uh, will actually be None other than Brian Terry Henry's Festos or Festos from the Eternals. So I'm really excited about that. He's a great actor. If you haven't seen him, he was, he had a very, 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 very small part, almost a cameo. And uh, this summer's uh, Joker movie, He or not this summer, but the Joker movie, he had a uh, small cameo in that uh he's also been in a few other movies, but he's most uh famously known for his role as paperboy on Donald Glover's Atlanta, which is a fantastic show If you haven't checked it out, please check out that show it's a it's a class a show fantastic show, but he's a great actor and he's able to do comedy he's able to do drama he's able to do seriousness he's a trained fantastic actor, and his character will be the very first openly gay superhero. And uh, there's a lot of... In the comic book world, and I am a comic book geek through and through, but in the comic book world, we get a lot of people. You see a lot of toxicness. Uh, they don't like uh, Brie uh, Larson for being so uh, feminist. They don't like them race-swapping or gender-swapping characters. They want their their characters the same as they saw them in the comic and, and in some ways, I understand that I'm not a big fan of of race swapping a character, uh, but at the same time, if race itself has nothing to do with the character, who cares? People have to understand some of these comic book characters are super old from the thirties forties fifties sixties and You weren't going to see a black Superman or black Batman or black Spider-Man or black Iron Man. You weren't going to see a gay character or female character for the most part, unless they were eye candy. That's just not what it was designed for. Originally, comic books were designed for young white boys. So they got all the representation as a African-American and as a comic book head. I was always forced to be the black Ghostbuster for Halloween Or I had to be Bishop or Blade or one of the few African-American superheroes that are out there. Unless I wore a mask, I couldn't be Batman. Um, I could be Spider-Man if I wore a full mask. Um, But that was it. So people don't understand the importance of representation, be it black, white, female, gay, straight. Representation is key because when you're growing up and you're a child, and you're inspired by what you see on the big screen and what you see on TV and what you see on the comic books, and you want to expand your mind and you want to grow. When you don't see anyone like you, anyone that looks like you or talks like you or comes from your scenario, it's tough. And if you've been anybody in the United States other than the white male, you haven't seen the representation so it's okay. It's it's okay to have a gay superhero. It's perfectly fine. They they deserve it. They need it. Everyone needs representation. It's perfectly fine to have, you know, African-American superhero. Now, like I said, to swap a character uh just to swap makes no sense, but if it doesn't have an impact on that character's story and they can actually uh really Get the characteristics of the character right. One thing that, and probably the only redeeming thing about the last Fantastic Four movie, where they race swap Michael B. Jordan as the Human Torch, I feel he actually did well in the role. and he He was fine. He accomplished uh, the characteristics. He was the hothead and all of that. So it it was fine. The movie itself was trash. But he was fine as it, you know, and then some people will say, well, what if I re Black Panther? Well, that doesn't make any sense because his race is intrinsic to his role as the king of Wakanda. You're not going to see a, a, a white king of Wakanda. It doesn't make any sense. But you could re-swap Blade. His race has nothing to do with it. So, I mean, it, it really doesn't matter what the color of the person is as long as they really accomplish the role and it really doesn't matter the sexuality of the character because the mcu is not like we're gonna see graphic set scenes anyway um but it's good for representation so kudos to kevin feige and the folks at marvel kudos to uh, brian tyree henry and i'm getting more and more excited by the day uh, for Eternals. I think it's going to be huge. I think it's going to set up the MCU for the next three or four years, and I'm very excited. But, uh, yeah, we've confirmed the first openly gay superhero will be Facetos from Eternals, and it will be played by none other than Brian Tyree Henry. And, you know, congratulations, good luck, and I'm definitely looking forward for the movie, and it's going to be another success for Marvel. I feel it in my bones, and I can't wait to check it out. Now, in the pro wrestling world, we had a huge weekend, NXT Portland and WWE Monday Night Raw last night. NXT continues, in my humble opinion, to be the best pro wrestling show from bell to bell out there, and NXT TakeOver Portland was no different. Uh, Now, normally when I talk about pro wrestling, I go over match for match and Rating, But as we get into WrestleMania season, I'm going to talk more about the highlights, some of the things that I really enjoyed, some of the things that I feel could uh, use a little work or didn't work, instead of just going from match for match, especially when we're talking about NXT, you're guaranteed for the most part that the bell to bell, the in-ring action is going to be top notch. So it's more about the storylines, where we're going, character development, the things that really make pro wrestling, pro wrestling. And uh, first, you can't talk about NXT without talking about a man that I feel has the potential to be a huge crossover star, and that's none other than Keith Lee. Uh, Keith Lee is amazing. What he can do for a man his size, and you know what? I think it's a discredit for saying a man his size. The things he can do in the ring, period, for anyone is top-notch. But you have this huge guy. He has all the charisma in the world all of the charisma in the world. And I'm talking about, in my opinion, rock-level charisma. If you really let him loose, he has all the charisma in the world. He can do it all. He has a great look. He's a big guy, a strong guy. His movement in the ring is just out of this world. And then you take on that charisma. Uh, If they play their cards right and just don't send a skyrocket to move, give him a long, healthy run with the North American Championship, which you currently Uh, has, and then eventually get him into the NXT world title scene. Uh, I feel this guy can be a huge, huge star for the next 10 years in this business. And he put on another phenomenal match every time he gets in the ring. And I'm sure I'm pronouncing his name right uh, wrong with Dominic Djanovich. I believe every time he gets in the ring and they've had their feuds and their matches, it's magic. You want to see those guys fight and fight and fight and fight forever because they just, they're just—they're two big stallions that put on a hell of a match every single time when that bell rings. And um, I'm looking forward to see what is the future uh, for Keith Lee. But uh, that was the opening match, and it's very hard to follow. Uh, but they were able to follow it, Gargano and Finn Balor. I knew those two would put on a great match. I never had a question for that. Um, I didn't really even have a question on who was going to go over. I know they had their few, but right now Finn Balor is white hot. And with him making his return to the NFC, I don't foresee him losing clean to anyone for quite some time. Uh, but, yeah, it was an- another phenomenal match. I really, really loved it. Uh, Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, those two, I would watch them fight forever. Bianca Belair is a star, and if she isn't going to get a run with the NXT Women's Championship anytime soon, she's had her shots, she definitely needs to be moved to the main roster because right now she's scorching hot, and I think she would be a great opponent for someone like Bailey, a different opponent, Um, but yeah. She puts on a great match, Rhea Ripley. I knew uh, Rhea Ripley would go over because we're setting up the Flair confrontation at WrestleMania, and I knew she would go over. But both of those two uh, young women put on a fantastic match, and I could watch those two go forever. And, and then we saw uh, at the end of the match, Flair make her announcement. It was no surprise. We knew that's where they're going. But I'm curious to see how this is going to be booked. Are we going to have Ripley go over Flair? Flair doesn't certainly need the win. She's established, and it would be great for her to put over uh, someone like Rhea Ripley. But I could also see her winning the title and doing a stint on NXT to really help that show get over as a third brand, similar to what Finn Balor has done. She's already had the Raw women's title a multitude of times. She's had the SmackDown women's title for multiple two to times. She's had the Divas Championship when that still existed. She's had the NXT title before. Every title she could have she's uh earned. But I could certainly see her having a nice run at the NXT women's title to really help that brand get over and I think that's where they're gonna go. But I also wouldn't mind seeing Rhea Ripley go over. I don't think they wanna squash her potential right now. She has more to gain by getting that victory over Charlotte Flair. Hopefully, we'll have a nice, clean match. But I could see it ending up with maybe some interference from Ronda Rousey or something like that at WrestleMania. But we'll see. There's a numerous options that they have as far as uh, booking that match. Now, the one thing that I didn't like, and I know why they did it. I get it, but was the at the very end we had the world title match with Ciampa versus Adam Cole, and I was really hoping Ciampa would go over in this situation. He never lost the title. He had to vacate it because of injury. What a great storybook ending for him to return. I think that would be huge, but at the same time, I knew it wasn't time for Adam Cole to drop the belt, especially before WrestleMania season, so I was suspecting some type of interference, but I was expecting interference from the Undisputed Era. I was not expecting another turn in the seems-like never-ending Gargano-Champa feud. They've been friends, they've been enemies, they've been friends again, and now it looks like the uh, coin has flipped and Gargano will be the bad guy on this rivalry. And I know why they're doing it. They unfortunately didn't get the blow-off to their match last year because of Ciampa's injury. But the flip-flopping in character, I never feel that's good. And with them being established as reunited again and friends again, and everyone knows behind the scenes their best friends, the turning of Gargano at this point, I feel, was just not really warranted. If anything let Ciampa win the title, and then have Gargano turn on him out of jealousy that he got his life back and Gargano didn't. I think that would have worked a little bit more and given more reason for him to turn on Ciampa. So that was the one thing that I didn't really care for. Um, I'm just really over that rivalry. They had the opportunity for the blow-off. They didn't get it due to injury. I'm sorry, but you know, the story has progressed since then and, and this is some bit of a step back. But this could be a situation like Triple H and Shawn Michaels where they're together, they're not they're together, they're not, and ten years from now they'll be having a fifteenth DIY reunion. Who knows? But uh yeah, that was the only part of a very special N S T Portland. Overall, the event itself, I give it a 9 out of 10. It was a really, really good event. Great matches, bell to bell, all around. But that was the one drawback. I'm not really feeling the feud between Gargano and Ciampa again. But I know they're going to have their payoff that they didn't get to get last year. So it made sense, but I just really wasn't feeling it this quickly after them being reunited. Now, on the other hand, Mon- Monday Night Raw... I'm going to be completely honest. I did not finish it last night. I had to go back and fire up the DVR and finish it this morning. Uh, Raw has been good as of late, but there's still a lot of areas of opportunity on that show. And right now they're in this weird pattern because they're getting ready for Super Showdown. So they're establishing these quick mini feuds for Super Showdown without really giving the house away with WrestleMania right around the corner. And just some highlights for uh, Raw and lowlights. Aleister Black, I feel he is almost there. Uh, The matches that he's had previously, with him just being so dominant, uh, really didn't do anything for him. His series and matches with Buddy Murphy were, or I'm sorry, Murphy now, were fantastic, Although I wish he wouldn't have had a clean sweep with those matches. But the match last night was very hard hitting. He actually looked vulnerable. And that's what you need. And and Vince has the... When someone's chosen or someone he really likes, he's behind him, the Roman Reigns, the Cena, Hulk Hogan, you can go all the way back there, Stone Cold... He seems to make them invincible, and that gets boring really, really quick, especially in the wrestling world. You want to see that back and forth. Even though you know that the outcome is predetermined, you want to see that back and forth. Last night, we saw that. We saw a big guy that uh, previously, this was probably, in my opinion, Eric Rowan's best match since he's been on the roster. I've never thought he's been great in between those ropes. He has a good look. He has nice size. His gimmicks have always been a little bit sketchy, um, and they've had some areas of opportunity. But this was the best match, and he's had matchups with Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns, but this was his best match, in my opinion, since he's been on the main roster, and it was really good, hard-hitting match. It was believable that Rowan could have won the match at any time, and it really set up the black mass kick as a a legit, sick finisher that can take anyone from any size out at any time. So I feel Alistair Black is almost there. He just needs the right rivalry to get him to the next level. And I know he's a pet project for Paul Heyman and, and all faith in Paul Heyman. I'm a Paul Heyman guy. And I believe with the right guidance, he could definitely be the next CM Punk as far as... His look, his in-ring activity. He's not a good talker as CM Punk. He he's great on the mic as far as remembering his lines and things of that nature. And uh, but he's, I feel he could benefit from a mouthpiece. Uh, maybe Paul Heyman, perhaps if if you're out there. But uh, yeah, highlight of Raw. Um, some of the things I did not like uh, about Raw. Uh, The whole Drew McIntyre MVP thing, really, really weird. When Paul Heyman came out and said that he was going to, you know, have somebody, I thought maybe we'll see Sheldon Benjamin again, maybe we'll see um, Jinder McCall, that would have made sense story-wise. For MVP, who literally just retired a couple weeks ago to already be back in the ring, and I know... He's going to be a producer and he's going to do some other things. But just felt it weird to me for him to be back in the ring only to be squashed so quickly when there's other people out there for Drew McIntyre to go through. And he needs to have some vulnerability. Uh, I could see the train and the engine behind him. And just like Roman Reigns, just like Seth Rollins, just like John Cena before them, when you make someone too invincible, It's boring, It gets stale, and the audience turns on them. And that's what happened with Seth. That's what happened with John Cena. That's what happened with Roman Reigns. So they have to be very, very careful with the way they book Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre has the in-ring capability. He's great on the mic. He has a great look. He definitely can be a champion. He's definitely believable as a champion. But you can't keep making him invincible and having him just knock off people's heads in three seconds flat. He counts down three, two, one, followed by one, two, three. I don't think that's gonna do him any favor. So they have to be very, very, very careful how they book him and let it be more organic as opposed to shoving down people's throats. But uh, that was not my favorite aspect in the whole MVP thing. I feel MVP's best uh, purpose right now would be a manager, to be a mouthpiece for a new stable with him occasionally getting physically involved. But I don't want to see him in the ring every single week. Uh, Lashley and Rusev in every single combination, be it a triple that, a tag team, one-on-one, I'm over it. I don't want to see those two anymore. I don't want to see Lashley anymore. I don't want to see Lana anymore. I don't want to see Rusev anymore. That storyline has gone nowhere, uh, but they're still going head-to-head. Then there were a few weeks with no Rusev. Apparently, he was having some type of contract, negotiation. That was the dirt sheets. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm just over it. The payoff was garbage. The story was garbage. Uh, Everything about it was garbage, and I'm just over it. not saying that those performers aren't good, but seeing them paired together, I'm I'm really over it. And anyway, even with tag teams, triple threats, I don't even want to see them in this match for this trophy over at Super Showdown. Now, uh, another not so positive uh, mark on Raw, I. Am not filling this Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins. Does his stable even have a name yet? I know online he says something about the Immortals or something, but I know that's been done in TNA before. Um, his name doesn't even have a, st- a, st- a st- his stable doesn't even have a name. It's just Seth Rollins, Monday Night Messiah, and his disciples. And I don't get where they're going with this. I was totally fine for a heel turn. But this heel turn, it's very similar to his run as a face. It's just not connecting, which is a shame because Seth Rollins has all the tools. He's fine on the mic. He has a great look. He's great in the ring. He has all the tools, but something is just not connecting. And I don't know what it is, but this... Feud with Kevin Owens and Viking Raiders, and sometimes Samoa Joe, and sometimes Big Show, and sometimes Rey Mysterio. I don't know where they're going with this. I don't know what he has booked for WrestleMania. Um, really, I'm I'm presuming at this rate it's going to be some type of uh, Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens, perhaps. But I, I'm this heel turn needs something else. What is he doing? What is his purpose? What is he doing to make people? follow him I mean AOP were the first ones to be his disciple and follow him and they didn't even get a shot at the tag belts for some reason Murphy and him got the tag belt so there's there's been a lot of missteps with this heel turn already and I'm really tired of him versus Kevin Owens every week Something has to change, and hopefully they'll get it together by Mania. I don't know who his opponent's going to be, but I'm assuming it's going to be some type of Kevin Owens or maybe him in a stable and Kevin Owens and some guys. We'll see. Uh, I know Bit Show is rumored to make his return pretty soon to come get vengeance for Seth Rollins and his disciples taking him over, but we'll see. I uh, Now, one thing that was positive uh, AJ Styles made his return I'm so glad he's golden in the ring golden on the mic and the rumors are that AJ Styles will be facing off with The Undertaker at Mania and I am stoked for that he already set himself up by naming some of the legends he would take on at Mania and call him himself the new Mr. WrestleMania, which we all know is the nickname for Shawn Michaels. So the story's there. I can see The Undertaker coming out and saying, hey, I faced Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, perhaps the greatest WrestleMania match of all time, and you are no Mr. WrestleMania. You disrespect the legend. How about you face me at WrestleMania? The story's there, and AJ Styles is gold on the mic. He can stand toe-to-toe with Stone Cold on the mic so he definitely can hold his ground with the Undertaker and although I don't foresee him beating the Undertaker, I could totally see him getting the victory over the Undertaker the only concern I have at 42 years of age, he doesn't really need the rub for being beating the Undertaker, but I could certainly see him uh, being rewarded with that Undertaker spot at Wrestlemania and I'm all for it uh, so Raw was kind of a weaker Raw this week but I'm, I'm definitely uh interested in what they're going to do with the uh, whole Randy Orton edge. Uh, I feel they had a couple of missteps of bringing Matt Hardy back again after he had already pretty much been written off with the uh, one-man concerto, but he came back to get beat up some more. A lot of rumors is that he's going to be leaving when his contract expires in March. I don't think he is. Now, I've been surprised before when they gave so much of a rub to Dean Ambrose on his way out. But I don't think they're going to give him this much screen time, even if it's him being demolished by Randy Orton, to have him leave and show somewhere like AEW. I think they would just let him sit on the shelf and let his uh, contract expire. So I think this is going to be leading to another transformation, maybe a broken mat. uh, Because remember, he hasn't done broken mat. He did woken mat, which is a slightly different variant. So I think that's what we're leading and all the cryptic posts on Twitter and him freeing the delete is only going to lead to him re-signing with WWE and in his career in WWE and coming back with broken Matt Hardy. And I think this is a lead, but hopefully we'll get more reasoning. I feel the whole reasoning for Randy Orton turning on Edge is going to be, hey, man, uh, I love you like a brother. I didn't want to see you come back and, and be a target and have your career ended by someone that's trying to make a name for themselves. I'd rather take you out, the devil you know, to let you know that you're not ready to come back and you shouldn't come back. And I think that's ultimately going to be the storyline. But we need to get some payoff quickly. We need to get some payoff and confrontation. And if they're going to do him confronting other people each week to keep Edge off of TV, I'm fine with that. But of all people, I don't think it should be Matt Hardy. Uh, people forget Matt Hardy and Edge had a real life rivalry over Lita and had several brutal matches in the early two thousands over Lita and for him to be the first one to come to Edge Defense makes no sense. He certainly could have been one one week and then this week they could have had Devon Dudley come out. Devon Dudley is still with the company. Hey. Me and Edge and Christian and my brother Bubba Ray, we tore down WrestleMania, we tore down TLC. How could you do this to someone? Boom, he gets the concerto. The next week, Edge, I don't, I'm don't, i sorry, not Edge, Christian. I don't know, Christian can take bumps if he's medically cleared, but you could do something where, you know, he confronts him and then at the end, you know, you see him being dragged by Randy Orton. There's something that he can do if he's not, able to take a bump where you can still, you know, have him being demolished by Randy Orton. And then maybe in the fourth week you have Beth Phoenix come confront him. You know, this is my husband, how could you do this? And then how nasty would it would be for her to get a Randy Orton. He would get so much heat if he gave Beth Phoenix a RKO and, and hit her with the chair. And that leads to Edge coming back. Edge saying, I didn't know if I can do this, but after you took out Matt Hardy, after you took out Devon Dudley, after you took out Christian and my wife, I'm going to destroy you and have a brutal street fight at WrestleMania, Edge and jeans, Randy Orton and jeans, uh, and just have a bloody, brutal street fight. That's what I want for WrestleMania, and that's how I would book Edge versus Randy Orton, have Randy Orton just taken out friends and family of Red, take out Christian, take out Matt, take out Devon Dudley, take out Beth Phoenix, only for Edge to come back and just brutalize Randy Orton that mania. That's what I want to see. So uh, overall, uh, Raw, not my favorite uh, this week. They have been doing very well, but they kind of dropped the ball this time. Uh, I give Raw a 5 out of 10, and, of course, I give – And that's T-Takeover, 9 out of 10. It was very good. But that's all we have for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, subscribe to this podcast, like and share, uh, leave comments. We want to grow. We want to be that podcast. We're here for you. And thank you for listening. And as always, deuces.